tell your friends the Mark and Max show is back and better than ever. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. LifeRadio.fm. Freaky Friday. We made it. Hey. Yay! A complete Yay. week. All five days. Wow. <laughs> really? It's such a blur. <laughs> Why is it now that when we work five days in a row, it seems like it's a really long week? <laughs> you know, that's because I've been real lazy. You know, that's pretty much what it is. <laughs> well, I've had a day. Uh, I've had a day myself here and there, but it's just like uh, not many though. It's just <laughs> such as life, boss. Yeah, but. We are, it's Friday, the 29th of July. Yep. So if you're hearing this at a different time, you know, we just want to let you, that's when we recorded this. Right. So, yeah. Because we record everything, by the way, you know, haven't mentioned the podcast, uh, y'all can sign up for the podcast and get the whole show, you know, oh, yeah, every day, just FYI, yep. yeah, Mark has it up by 10 a.m. Central time, wherever you get your podcast, unless you use Google, mm-hmm. in which case we don't know when it's going Yeah. Out. And if you're, if you're. If you get your podcast like some people do through iHeartMedia, because iHeart has mm-hmm. their own little podcast channel, right? We're, we're also available there. But it's okay. funny that they never they only announce it once a week. It's just like, oh, there's a new episode of the Mark and Max Show podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, it's every day. They just announce it once a week. <laughs> okay, it's really. But strange. I didn't know. Okay, so we are on the iHeart thing. Yeah, we're on the iHeart oh. Media app. We're on the. Uh, on the TuneIn Radio app and every, pretty much every place uh, else you can get podcasts, we are there. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't know that. Well, now you do. Wow. <laughs> so I've really been wrong. <laughs> huh? Really? Now that's the way to start your day. Yay! Life Radio. FM. Mark and Mac Show. <laughs> you know. Mark, yes. the uh, Loch Ness monster, mm-hmm. along with Sasquatch, come to mind. Okay, okay, as two things that in our lifetime, um, before things would go viral on the internet, yeah. there were different video clips of things or pictures that became famous because they got reprinted in other papers, magazines, things like that. Right. Or they showed up in a video form on a TV show like In Search of with Leonard Nimoy back in the seventies. You right. know, yeah. So we had the, the, the Sasquatch guy from the guys in Oregon where he's wa- there's this guy in an ape suit and he's mm-hmm. walking through the woods and then turns back to the camera. <laughs> yes. And, you know, that one, I think they admitted they faked that. I can't remember. I don't remember. Um, but either. then there's the Loch Ness Monster picture, the one that's from the 30s, where a doctor took this picture of Loch Ness Monster. It's the most famous one. Mm-hmm. And it was out there and because the guy was a doctor and well-respected for many years, they're like, this is, this is Nessie. Here we go. Now let's figure out what it is. And then you find out on his deathbed that he faked that. Right. So we know that the one picture of the Loch Ness monster that started the whole Loch Ness monster thing is in fact a fake admitted to be a fake by the doctor who took the photo in the thirties. Yep. So is there really a Loch Ness monster or is it really just another fake? You know, now, Nobody knows. Anything's possible. Well, nobody I, knows. Well, you know what? There was an alien one time found on the side of the road on 280 in Atlanta. <laughs> I, you know. Exactly. Shaved monkey. Yeah. Um, the yep. Loch Ness Monster's existence has been declared plausible now by scientists following the discovery of a particular fossil. Researchers mm-hmm. at the University, University of Portsmouth have made the claim after fossils of small plesiosaurs were found during a river system dig in modern-day Morocco 
grainy images and depict descriptions of Nessie after alleged sightings have resembled the prehistoric plesiosaur, a marine reptile with four flippers, which had a long neck and a small head, which is typically what you've seen, you know? Long neck, right. small head sticking out of the water. Mm-hmm. Skeptics have always had always dismissed the idea that plesiosaur lineage could have survived into the modern era and existed in Loch Ness, though, because the reptile reptile could only inhabit a saltwater environment. But the discovery of the fossils in a 100-million-year-old river system that's now in Morocco's Sahara Desert suggests they lived in freshwater, like in Loch Ness. The excavation unearthed bones and teeth from a 9.8-foot-long adult plesiosaur and an arm bone from a 4.9-foot baby. They indicate that the reptile lived alongside frogs, crocodiles, turtles, fish, and the water-based dinosaur Spinosaurus in fresh water. Dave Martill... Dave Martill, a professor of paleobiology at the University of Portsmouth, who co-authored the research, said, What amazes me is that the ancient Moroccan river contains so many carnivores all living alongside each other. This was no place to go for a swim. (laughs) Funny. Well, you know, just in all seriousness, okay, we mock some things that we Mm -hmm. can't understand because we can't figure it out, but. I will tell you the um, going up to Gatlinburg. If you uh, are going from Pigeon Forge to, to Pigeon Forge to Gatlinburg, there's a scenic route that you can take that yeah. goes around the, the hamlet of Gatlinburg. Mm, the bypass. And on yes. that scenic, huh? The bypass. Yes. Right. And as you go on this bypass slash scenic route, there's a rest area, and on the in that rest area there is, um, there's it's like a little museum of things found in that area, uh, animals and things that are indigenous to the area and, and fish and things. Anyway, if you go up there, I encourage you to do this because it changed my attitude on so many things when I went, because there are certain animals, certain fish that are indigenous to this specific area of the United States of America that if you and I were hosting something, you know, a camp out in the woods and we decided to go fishing or hunting and found one of these things, we would think we just made billions on a prehistoric animal we caught, you know? They they don't look like anything from now. Yeah. So I saw these things and went, okay, they this is actually re- and it still exists. It this this fish is still here in these creeks. Wow. Okay. If I caught it, I would be calling National Enquirer, you know? <laughs> And but they still exist to this day. They just look really funky, and that's uh-huh. what made me believe wow. all this is possible. And yeah. that's that's really saying something, considering you come from the land of three-eyed fish. Life Radio FM, the Mark and Mac Show. You know, Mark, you and I have had our share of uh, animal stories I'll, yes. leave, I'll say that but right. in reality i'm talking about dogs in particular and yeah, yeah. Uh, we've both had dogs that have lived a long time and mm-hmm. and you see them adapt to certain things right. uh with for instance um i know you know kimber just passed and mm-hmm. you now have a new little puppy but yeah when Kim, before kimber passed she had um developed a, an issue with her eyes right. and you took her to the vet not that long ago and found out that she, in fact, was either blind or going blind, right? Right. She had a condition called SARDS, suddenly, uh, suddenly acquired retinal degeneration. And uh, okay. so she was losing her eyesight. Okay. Yeah. But she had adopted to yeah. certain ways of life where yeah, it did. you knew something was up but didn't know exactly what it was. Right. There were little clues, but mm-hmm. on the whole, if you just came by for a visit, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think there was anything wrong with her. Because right. she negotiated the house, weaved in and out between the pieces mm-hmm. of furniture and stuff like that with no problems at all. 
because see, that's she, where yeah yeah she knew yeah well dogs might actually be able to see with their noses as well mm-hmm. which kind of adds to the thing you're going okay there's memory there's you can see a little bit but there might be more to this yeah um a new study has discovered that dogs may be able to use their noses to well, see, in quotes, as well as to smell. Researchers and vets at Cornell University in New York examined canine brain scans and discovered a different pathway in the minds of dogs. The findings suggest that dogs' vision and smell are actually linked, which hasn't yet been found in any other species. It explains how some blind dogs can play fetch even when they can't visually see the ball. The team performed MRI scans on many different dogs and found a link between the part of the brain that deals with smell and the area of the brain that processes visuals. Pip Johnson, assistant professor of clinical sciences at the College of Veterinary Medicine, says the research supports her previous studies on blind dogs. Quote, they, they can still play fetch and navigate their surroundings much better than humans with the same condition. Which is and pretty see, much what I said about, about Kimber mm-hmm. was that right wow if i had this strike i would be groping around the house you know just and she's just mm-hmm. trotting around like there was nothing wrong and see the thing that gets me on this though is that they said the findings suggest that dogs vision and smell are actually linked which yeah. has not yet been found in any other species and i'm saying it has oh. because i know with my eyes closed if i smell something on my food plate that stinks i don't have to look at it and know it's gross <laughs> LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And, you know, Mark, very quickly here, this headline, Houdini, okay, in the headline. <laughs> yes. You know, when I was a little kid, um, Red Skelton had a TV show that had been on for many years, right, uh, yeah. a variety show. And I watched it, I guess, when I was a little kid. And I remember this distinctly happening where um, I, I was at my dad and stepmother's house just for an overnight visit. Okay. The only time I ever did that. And, um, while I was there, they were, there was some, uh, promo about a Houdini movie or something that was coming up. And I'm like, I saw that guy. And I thought what I had seen red Skelton had done a comedy bit where he plays Houdini and he gets, you know, can't get out of anything. And <laughs> that's funny. I didn't, because I was so young, I thought it was Houdini that couldn't get out of anything. I didn't know that it was a comedy thing. So in my mind, I thought I had seen Houdini and I'll never forget my stepmom Diane going, um, well, Dave, you know, he's been dead a long time. And, um, yeah, but I saw it. I know I did. And I mean, I was serious. I saw him. I know I did. It was only years later when we were actually doing this Red Skelton Pledge of Allegiance thing yes. that I went on a search for Red Skelton stuff and actually found this out, this show that he did, the bit That's where he played uh, Houdini. Yeah. yeah. And I, but I did that when I was a little kid, I really thought that was really Houdini that I saw. Wow. Now for so the, unin- the uninformed, uh, Houdini, Harry Houdini was a, a, a world famous escape artist from about, what was right. that? The twenties and thirties? Somewhere around well, there? Yeah, I mean, started yeah. in the early hundred, early nineteen hundreds, and yeah. and went on through. Yeah. Yes, but he's but he was world famous back then. And nowadays, when somebody says Houdini, it rings this very very faint bell. So many people don't know who he was, but but he was world. So you're saying famous. I'm old now? Is that what you're saying? No, no older than me because <laughs> because I think mm-hmm. the same thing. When I somebody says Houdini, I think well they're really good at getting out of things, right? And that's how he this, died in 1926, just to give you an okay, idea. There you go. So it was a lot further yeah. back than I thought, right? Anyway, yeah. 
uh, there's this tortoise that they've called a Houdini tortoise. He now, because he's so good at escaping, they now have to tie a bright yellow helium balloon to him whenever he goes outside. <laughs> because he's repeatedly tried to perform impressive feats of escapology. Russian tortoise wow. Elmo tried climbing over a fence, a fence, and burrowing into the garden, leaving the owner, his owner, Claudia Carter, at her wit's end. But eager to keep up, uh, keep her three-year-old pet safe, she knew she had to come up with a solution and decided upon tying a balloon around Elmo to make him easier to spot. Elmo's wow. harness, he's got a little harness. He became needed after the tortoise kept making a run for it while let out of the, on the lawn to roam around during hot weather. Now, photos are, are out there on the, on the web showing how Elmo was caught climbing up a wire fence before he got stuck several feet into the air in mid-getaway. Wow. And wow. thankfully, Claudia says there's no way she can lose him now because his yellow balloon is impossible to miss among the green plants in the yard. <laughs> now, that's just funny. That is funny. <laughs> it reminds me of a Tickle Me Elmo thing that happened in 1995. Oh, yes. Or 96. <laughs> Where you tried to sail one across the... <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wow. I'm just Radio thinking, stunts you shouldn't do. I'm just thinking you're sitting at a stop sign. This, their house is right there. You're sitting at a stop yeah. sign. You see this yellow balloon in the yard slowly moving across the yard by itself. <laughs> LifeRadio.fm. Mark and Mag Show. And uh, boy, it's good to be here. You know, considering the options, you know, this yeah. is not bad. It just ain't <laughs> bad. But uh, let's see. This is our last day of July for us working. Right? It is, yeah. Monday's oh, the first man. of August, yeah. Monday, Monday. All right, but while we're here, you know what? May as well do a stupid criminal today, Mark, because I think uh, that's I'm, a capital idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All here right. we go. Go! A Northern California burglar returned to the scene of the crime this weekend after he forgot his keys inside a donut company's corporate office. The thief stole some petty cash from Johnny Donut's office in the San Francisco Bay Area Saturday night. In another twist, he also grabbed the keys of a bakery vehicle, but he didn't steal the vehicle itself. Surveillance video shows the man moving between the offices and a back storage area where he pried open a filing cabinet. Uh, the lieutenant in the police department there says the thief took a bank bag with an unknown amount of cash. He said part of the investigating investigating is finding out why this specific business was targeted. Craig Blum, founder of Johnny Donuts, said his company plans to deliver a few dozen donuts to the San Rafael police officers who came to our aid to ensure that we can continue serving our community handcrafted donuts without interruption. <clears throat> Blum said it was an unf- unfortunate event, but we're glad no donuts or team members were harmed. Sometimes even the thought of a donut makes you do crazy things. <laughs> huh. wow mark <laughs> so deeply guy, concerned about the, the world we live in the guy grabs the wrong keys he didn't know he grabbed the wrong keys i mean you're here you are mr burglar you know you're going into a place and you you put your keys down you put your keys down in the place where that you're robbing come on <laughs> That would have been an interesting day back at the back at the jail when he when he finally gets caught. Can you imagine him sitting around in the in the cell? So what happened to you? <laughs> Robbed a donut shop. <laughs> well, how'd you get caught? Left my car keys in there. 
I just wonder, why would you think of thieving from the one place you know the cops love? <laughs> LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show, having a glorious Friday. A little punchy, you know, because we've been on the Johnny Carson schedule for several months now of three or four day work weeks. And yeah. Now that we've done all five, I think we deserve a couple of days off next week, Mark. Yeah. Just throwing it out there. Just yeah, the the thing know. is that I'm not going to get any more sleep because we do have a new puppy in the house. Oh, dude. <laughs> you should have yeah, waited. Ah, <laughs> well. It's okay. I can't <laughs> decide right. if he's a puppy or a furry piranha. <laughs> well, I, I am the, day, they're I, both. I'm the chew toy. <laughs> That's how I ended up being Tanner's dog, in our <laughs> Tanner's person, rather. Yeah, because when they're little puppies, they're, mm-hmm. they have those razor-sharp teeth, and oh, they're yeah. constantly looking for something to gnaw on. And, yep. <laughs> you know, and it's not enough. You, you get them toys, but the toys are just too hard. They have to find something that's kind of flesh-like. Yeah. Just enough that it has resistance, but not so much they don't feel satisfied. So you got your little puppy gnawing your fingers off, and uh-huh. you're going to wake up in the middle of the night, your eyebrows are going to be gone, and Jane's going to be freaking out, you know? <laughs> well, he's already grabbing for my beard. You know, I've got the, I've got the little goatee. And, and I'll look at him and say, hey, buddy. And the next thing I know, I just see this open mouth with his teeth coming at my chin. <laughs> Well, me and Braylon, last time we saw you, Braylon thought that he saw us. He said, if if Mark took hot water and strained his little goatee mm-hmm. through it, we could have ramen with that, That's man. That's right. Leftover soup. Mm. There you go. <laughs> a little mustard in there. That's what he's after. He's after that piece of hot dog you ate last week, man. That's it's it. still there. You just can't. You keep smelling it. Can't figure out where it is. That uh, dog will find it. Let him have mm. a lick. <laughs> liferadio.fm it's the mark and mac show as we head into the weekend a story it's an update story mm-hmm. and this shows you're getting older when you go oh it's an update hmm. <laughs> of what you know? well, well from a, a story from about two weeks ago about a new jersey couple that uh, had found uh, about two thousand dollars in their yard while they were doing work on their home remember that oh, okay yeah. yes now all right now i remember yeah okay. richard i was gonna play along like i remember but now i actually do remember so all right <laughs> richard and susan or suzanne gilson said they bought their 1920s era college uh, cottage in wildwood about four years ago and they have since elevated the house and added a new foundation richard gilson was excavating the front yard recently when he dug up what he initially thought were weeds but later realized they were tightly rolled bundles of cash totaling two thousand dollars the couple said they initially thought the money dated 1934 may have been tied to criminal activity decades earlier uh, suzanne said when we looked it up the value of two thousand dollars back in 1934 is Forty thousand today. Wow. The couple said the mystery was solved when they were able to speak to the grandfather of James Dempsey, who owned the house during the Great Depression. The granddaughter, who now lives in Colorado, said Dempsey instructed her mother to bury the money in the front yard of their home back in the 1930s. She said the family searched for years but was never never able to locate the stashed cash. "Quote: It's a lot of money, but it's not life changing. I think the story is more interesting. The history." that this fella did this some 90 years ago, people have asked me what I'm going to do with it. I'm certainly not going to spend uh, it. <laughs> well, okay. It's only t- granted $2,000 is a nice sum of money, Yeah, but it is only $2,000. What's better to have this there framed and tell the story of right. where you found it and kind of do a whole thing Yeah, or go and spend the two grand and then tell people what you spent the two grand on, which, mm. you know, think about it. If it was $40,000, now you got something. Yeah. Hmm, who could they sue? 
That's the big thing. And can the original family get this back? That's what the real battle is. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And, you know, Mark, yeah. we have uh, done a lot of stories over the years. And, and there have been a few words along the way that I either couldn't uh, pronounce or didn't know their meaning. No. And, you know, thankfully, with Google, you can make stuff up really quick to stall while you look something up so you can seem to be smart when right, they can yeah. see you looking. Yeah. But a Wisconsin couple open a museum, but mm. it's spelled M-E-W-S-E-U-M. Uh, yes. Why would they open up a museum, Mark? Well, because they have a collection of more than 13,000 cat figurines and feline-themed pieces of art. That's why they opened up their museum to raise money for shelter cats. Sean Redner and Hillary, Re- uh, Hillary Siegel Redner said they remodeled the basement of their m- minim- wow, Menominee false home that one caught me off guard so they could increase the number of cat figurines on display at the house also known as redner's rescued cat figurine museum from 4,000 in 2020 to 7,000 in july of this year quote this is all we do this museum has taken over my life that's what redner says the couple offers tours of their home on the third sunday of each month or the fourth sunday if there's a holiday and proceeds from the tours are donated to local cat shelters The couple said their ultimate goal is to build a cat cafe and museum to house their collection, which includes 5,000 more pieces in storage. Uh, Redner says, says, my goal is to hopefully move all of this into a coffee shop where we can have adoptable cats so visitors can have a cup of coffee, hopefully bring home a cat, and then the museum will be a separate entity to the coffee shop. Um, the The couple first started collecting cat figurines in 2018. Hold on. 2018 to four years ago and they've got 13,000 cat figurines now wow yikes they're, they're a little focused on living the <laughs> I dream i think they? so they now visit thrift stores rummage sales and flea markets every weekend to find new pieces for their museum the pair said they also hope to eventually take the guinness world record um take it to the guinness world record for the largest collection of cat related items Okay, good for them. So it's not a Guinness story yet. So (laughs) the record is currently held by Carmen de Aldana, who owns 21,321 cat items. Wow. um, (laughs) Mark. (sighs) (laughs) Yeah. I've heard of the crazy cat lady at the end of the block, but the crazy Mm -hmm. cat figurine people? (laughs) Come on. You know, Aunt B was that crazy cat lady when she passed away. Yeah, I know. You told me the story. <laughs> That's what I think of whenever we have a crazy cat story. And mm. All I know is that for whatever reason, whenever we have a cat, they love me. And I think it's because I show total, dis, you know, just disinterest <laughs> or whatever. But yes. they demand it. If mm. you show a cat attention, you know, they will walk away. Mm. If you feign interest in them, they can sense that and yeah. walk away. However, if you're totally not interested in them at all, they will demand that you become interested. Exactly and then about right. the time you do actually become interested, then they walk away. That's why you end up with figurines, because you can't have the real thing. So here we go. The Mark and Mac Show.
liferadio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac Show. And, Mark, there is a uh, there is a time and place for everything. And I believe the time is now, and the place is my front door. <laughs> I've got to install that ring phone, yeah. you know, the doorbell, the yeah. camera thing you sent me the other day. Yeah, yeah, because when I see a headline that says, Bear Rings Doorbell, I got to catch that if it happens, dude. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, you want to do that. A South Carolina woman's security camera captured video the moment a bear strolled onto her front porch and rang the doorbell in the middle of the night. (laughs) Wendy Watson said the doorbell camera at her Greenville County home started recording at about 3.30 a.m. Tuesday, triggered by the motion of a bear that wandered up to her front door. The video shows the bear reach out with its paw to ring the doorbell. Watson says the bear kind of ambled up onto the porch and was reaching around the doorbell, and there was a little noise, a nose print on the window. You can see he looked wow. around a little bit and he went back down. And while he was out there, he ate a lot of birdseed. Watson said the bear is a regular visitor to her neighborhood and has destroyed two of her bird feeders. So well, he's there looking Mark, for the bird feed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but he rang the doorbell, <laughs> you know, that. was he? Was that a thank you or was it a, Hey, can you give me some more bird food? Hey, do you know I'm you're out curious, of bird food you know? out here? Yeah. We, yeah. We need a refill. <laughs> See, that might be, he notices he's over there camping out. He realizes every time somebody comes to the door, they touch this button and all of a sudden the owner of the house shows up. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can do the same thing. Maybe she'll wise up and start giving me, I don't know, fish or beef. <laughs> liferadio.fm the mark and mac show and i'm still a little hung up mark on the uh, story from a couple of minutes ago about the bear ringing the doorbell right yeah and mainly because you told me about a dog you guys had yeah, that we would had, ring a doorbell we had our big and, dog scout yeah <laughs> and you had one night and and this is what gets me because your dog was just going nuts because there was somebody parked when you were a kid right There's somebody yeah. parked at your house in the middle of the night right right it, well it was late at night and uh, okay, and but my dad was have out you. Of I mean, all right. So it's just your mom and you and your brother, right? Right. Yeah. And uh, and so, somebody, somebody parks in your driveway. Yeah, they pulled. They pulled down, and it was one of these driveways that go down. You know, it goes down the hill to the bottom mm-hmm. and into the right. basement. Okay. And they had pulled down the driveway. They just pulled just off the road and were sitting at the top of the driveway. But they were in the driveway with the lights off. And but were you guys like in a neighborhood where yeah. people would do that, or were you? Out- no, no. We we, okay. well, we were in a neighborhood, but nobody would do that. It, that it, it okay. was unusual. And you were at and, the end of the road, right? Yes, we were. The, we were the last house on the left side of the road, and the <laughs> and so there's no reason for no, anybody to be no. in your driveway no. really at any time no. of the day or night. No, not really. And the okay. dog, the dog knew it. The dog mm-hmm. <laughs> Scout knew it. He was in the garage downstairs, going insane, just barking, going crazy, wow. trying to get through the garage door to get out to the driveway. And my mom says to me, "Okay, I'm going to open the front door. You open the door <laughs> at the top of the basement stairs, and uh, and I'll tell you when." And she opens the door and she says, "Open it." And I open the door, and that dog, pew, like a blur, through the house, her, 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 her across that front yard and that car started up and the headlights turned on they burned rubber out of that driveway man yeah <laughs> i love it i that's just an awesome idea you yeah. know because i mean think about it though i mean your mom i know your mom is awesome but that's just smart <laughs> yeah. you know that yeah. is every bit of smart there is mm. and 
you know, because <laughs> even if it's somebody innocently, you know, parking, teenagers parking, you know, right. if it's that, it's like, but still at night, home alone with your kids. Mm-hmm. And somebody is, they, they're up to no good. They have no business being in your driveway, right. at, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> who let the dogs out? <laughs> Me and my mom. <laughs> liferadio.fm it's the mark and mac show and hey mark you know it just hit me that um even though this is the first week we've done a five-day work week since uh, april um <laughs> that we have uh, had a lot of animal related stories today and mm-hmm. having a rattlesnake spotted in the surf um to be honest with you not something i have ever heard of in my life i don't know if it's a common occurrence but it happened at myrtle beach south carolina mm-hmm. a woman who was searching for sea glass by the way if you don't know what that is that's glass it's been pounded by the surf and it's actually smooth it's kind of a cool thing searching for sea glass at south carolina's myrtle beach state park she ended up capturing some video of something her that was a lot more unusual than sea glass she she saw a timber rattler a timber rattlesnake in the surf. Michelle Roberts said in a Facebook post she was walking along the beach and looking for sea glass when her attention was drawn by the snake in the surf. She said waves were tossing him around and he kept going back in. Park officials called uh, Russell Cavender, he's the owner of Snake Chaser, to relocate the serpent. <laughs> I know. Cavender said the snake was a timber rattlesnake, also known as a canebrake rattlesnake. He said the species is highly venomous. Um, he said the snake was released in a swampy rural area of Hari County. So took him to a farm in the country. <laughs> it's very faint in the distance. I can't hear that. Yeah, I, know. I, I realize it's, just, I, it's on my phone. I know what it is. I had though. it as a ringtone. I had a ringtone surfing bird. Yeah. That's funny. The trash man. <laughs> the trash I'm man. just cracking up. That, all right. So in reality, okay, you've got a rattlesnake that is spotted in the surf. Wow. That just really freaks me out, man. Yeah. I, I think it would freak me out. if I don't think I'd be taking video. <laughs> and I think that shows the difference between people and, the, and where they live and what they think of things. I don't think I yeah. would have thought of call, calling anybody with a snake conservation thing. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. That would not have been my first thought. My first thought was, <laughs> where on this beach am I going to find a hoe? Right. Yeah. And, you know, and not the one that's over there sunning herself. We're talking about (laughs) Charles Nappy. All right. Now, (laughs) what I want to know is what. Okay. They claim they released it in a rural swampy area when obviously this is a (laughs) saltwater snake. He likes the surf and swampy water tends to be brackish. So who shouldn't they have just. I don't know. Had a little cookout, made a belt. I mean, this could have ended so much better. LiveRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show, and uh, boy, heading into the weekend, feeling pretty strong right now, Mark. <laughs> well, mainly because we've well, we've had so many days off, you know, that after a full week of work, you know, now you feel like I've accomplished something, and having a couple of days off is needed. Whereas when we only work two or three days and make up a few excuses and claim to be sick and lay on the couch all day and just be lazy, uh-huh. you know, it's like you head into the week. And you're kind of like, oh, I didn't really deserve this. You know? 
<laughs> I, for me, I just kind of hope Jane's off work tomorrow so somebody else can get chewed on for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Are we regretting the puppy, Mark? Not at all. It's just my, okay. ha- my hands and my arms and the, uh, the other exposed parts of my body need a break. I mean, they just, <laughs> they just need a break, man. Wow. Come on. I've got a Man. fuzzy piranha in my house. <laughs> all right. So are you going to, is, is uh, Cooper going to become one of those dogs that you're the guy that no matter where you are, he's with you. I mean, that you're going to start carrying a man purse that he can fit in. And no, are you going to be that guy? No, 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 I'm not that guy. Flash was, it, it was never that way with the Reverend flash. And it wasn't that okay. way with, I would, I would take Kimber with me now and then just because she was always in the house. She was a house dog. Yeah. I just take right. her. I take her for a ride, and she got all excited about that. But that was just that was now and then. Yeah. But no, I'm. You will not catch me with a little the sling around my neck with a dog in it. I, that's not going to happen. Although I wow. do know where to buy one. <laughs> See, that's what kind of got me. Is that uh, you know, you thought about it? Yeah. <laughs> no, I just kind. I just stumbled across one on Amazon when I was searching for dog toys. That's what. Ah, uh-huh. I tell you what. I want to go ahead and get a plug in uh, for Main Street Trustful, the, the oh, veterinary yeah. clinic yeah. that we took Main, uh, Hank to Main Street Animal Clinic. Yeah. Yeah, because when uh, we needed uh, to, we needed to board Hank. You know, the other dogs we have are older, and uh, they we we know what to do with them. You know, in terms of how they live, how much they eat, what they do, and when we leave town, we don't have to board them. We can have somebody come and check on them, and oftentimes we'll have a house sitter just because when you have the number of uh, pets that we have, you know, with those, yeah. you you need that interaction. It's just anyway, so. We have gone the house sitter route, but with Hank, um, we didn't want to burden uh, a house sitter with him because right, he, yeah, uh, yeah. he's a huge puppy. I mean, you got a little <laughs> yippy dachshund, you know, know yeah. Hank is 73 pounds and <laughs> it's like, dude, he, uh, anyway, but we also knew that he had some medical things that he needed, you know, to be checked out and, uh. Um, so that's why you and I were talking. I'm like, I am going to take him there to the main street animal clinic mm-hmm. in Trustville. Um, mainly because you and Jane had such good things to say about them. Yeah. And we've had, we've had like anybody else, good and bad experiences with vets. And anyway, so we opted to, to go there. And all I can tell you is if you have a pet, um, and you need a, to have them uh, in for a checkup to see what's going on. Um, you want to go away for the weekend and need to board your pet, whatever the reason, call them. Mm-hmm. You will not regret it. Yeah. It is still, and I told it on this yesterday, that was the best call we made for this pet, you know, yeah. because we've never had, we've always had, you know, we've had dachshunds, chihuahuas, rescue animals. We've never had a, a pet that was not a rescue that I can recall, you know? Yeah. And so anyway, and, and by the way, um, English bulldogs, they require a lot of help. Yeah. Uh, they're not, they're not easy. You know, when you're used to the worst thing happening is having your hands gnawed on by a puppy and you <laughs> move this route. Ooh. Yeah. It's like living with a really old fat guy with the energy of a seven year old. Okay. So that's funny yeah that's yeah funny. well and as kind of a side i note, just keep thinking of your dogs i just think of cooper keeping you awake all night that's what is kind of cracking me up i'm gonna be honest well um i just dr andy torish uh founded the uh, main street animal clinic with a couple of partners and he's i want to just say a congrats to dr andy because he's retiring 
and uh oh it's on the sign out front now he's retiring okay yeah so wow congrats to him he's always he's been a fan of the show he's been a listener for a long right. time and and the last time i was in he told me i gave him stickers and everything he's been listening to yeah. the. he's been listening here for a while so right it's good to have them. It's good to have them on board. It really is. Yeah, folks. Yeah. And by the way, this is not a paid commercial. It is a oh, true endorsement. No. It, it really you is. Know, the, yeah. We actually have used uh, this place, and I will tell you, Mark. Um, just hey, one last little comment because of the English bulldog thing having um, so many additional issues. Okay, they require a lot of upkeep, and I'm still kind of learning. And with Ladonna's job being what it is, uh, she's she doesn't have the time to deal with it. Right. And because I actually don't do anything all day. I have plenty of time. <laughs> You're right. And I knew there were things going on with him that needed to be dealt with, but I didn't know exactly, you know, I just didn't know. I'm Googling stuff. And anyway, when we took Hank there to mm-hmm. as a boarding thing, we also did it. We said, please, he's got some issues that we would like for you to examine and, and deal with. And they did. They were wonderful. They were so communicative over that weekend. They took incredible care of him, but on yeah. top of everything else, when we came back to pick him up, it cost about a third of what I thought. Mm. Okay? Yeah. About a third. Right. Well, what I'm expecting to pay, about a third of that. Wow. And uh, when I looked up all the things they had done, and it just, I'm telling you, this was a great experience for us. And yeah. he will now, but well, Hank will not go anywhere else yeah. but there. Period. Yep. End of story. And 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 just so you know, that's a bit of a drive for Dave <laughs> from Anderson yeah. to Trustful. It really is. is. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, you it's can not give, convenient. They have a great crew. Doctor Torsh is re- retiring, but there's Doctor McClure. He's still there. Doctor Trawick. Doctor uh, Mary Griffin. She was the last uh, the last one to see to see uh, Kimber. And there's mm-hmm. do- there's Doctor uh, Hamilton and a great crew of people working in the offices and technicians. Right. And uh, if you want to get to know them, you can call them today at. 205-655-0065, 205-655-0065. It's Trustful Animal or Main Street Animal Clinic in Trustville, Main Street Animal Clinic. And uh, I, Jane and I have been going, I mean, we took Flash there when he was a little guy, and we've been going there ever since. So it's been more than two decades of trust in these wow. people. Yeah. Great folks. liferadio.fm the mark and mac show daily podcast will be up at 10 o'clock central time roughly thereabout and it's available everywhere your daily podcast is found uh when i see a world record story Mm -hmm. i think to myself i wonder if mark saw this you know (laughs) that's you know are you kidding (laughs) (laughs) but here's the here's the headline okay four women set world record for rowing from California to Hawaii. Yikes. Row, row, row your boat. Wow. Across the ocean? Mm-hmm. 2,400 nautical miles, actually. What is that? It's a major award. Shucks, I wouldn't know, Dad. It looks like a lamb. An all-female <laughs> rowing team broke a world record by rowing more than 2,400 nautical miles from California to Hawaii in 34 days, 14 hours, and 11 minutes. Wow. Libby Costello, Sophia Dennison Johnston, Brooke Downs, and Adrian Smith, also known as the Lat 35 crew, set off from San Francisco in June and arrived in Honolulu Tuesday morning. The four woman wow. team set a world record for the fastest time to make the journey unassisted for an all female team. 
Um, Downs told Good Morning America after they got to Hawaii, I think something that I want people to take away is that these women are so incredible, but we're not superhuman. There's nothing that we were born with that makes us any different than anybody else. The team's journey raised money for the Anxiety and Depression Association of America. A, wow. um, just, just so you know, a four-man team mm-hmm. rode from San Francisco to Honolulu in 30 days, 7 hours, and 30 minutes in 2021. They set the male version of the record. Wow. Yeah. You know, sadly, there's going to be uh, a woman who used to be named Fred, seven foot three, <laughs> six hundred pounds, who's going to set the new record for women. But anyway, you know, <laughs> uh, such as life. I'm just thinking, I can't row a boat across a lake. I know. And I mean, you got a four person team, and you you can hear him. You know, you can hear Libby going, "Brooke, come on." <laughs> Mush harder, do something. And Adrian goes, Stop it, Libby. You're hurting her feelings. And Sophia's in the back going, Can we stop? I need to take a break. You know? <laughs> LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac show. And you know how you wind up doing a radio show with Mark Congleton and Dave Mack? You take a left at Albuquerque. That's what you do. Just like Bugs Bunny, you know? I was thinking of Bugs Bunny, yes. Yeah. Well, drivers on Route 66 and I-40 in New Mexico did double takes. A newly upgraded State Department of Transportation sign erected last week that pointed drivers towards Albuquerque misspelled the city's name. They left, ah. out, they left out the R, which made, oh, it, no. which made it Albuquerque. Um, <laughs> or in Spanish, Albuquerque. Albuquerque. Yes. People called and emailed the department to point out the mistake on the sign visible to drivers on the parallel highways, says Kimberly Gallagos, a department spokesperson. A corrected sign went up this week, she says. Uh, she also says, I don't recall this happening before, but I honestly think hey, this was just a simple mistake. Albuquerque used to have another R in the name. According to the city's website, colonists were granted permission in 1706 by King Philip of Spain to establish a new community on the banks of the Rio Grande. The colony's governor, Francisco Cuervo de Valdez, <laughs> wrote a letter to Spain's Duke of Albuquerque, Albu- Albuquerque, yes, uh, to report <laughs> that it had been named La Via de Albuquerque in his honor. The first R, it's before the, before the first Q, was dropped later, leaving Albuquerque with its current spelling <laughs> the city website says wow so what happened earlier was they just left an r off the sign before <laughs> wow yikes look yeah. when growing up in southern california and my stepfather getting a job out in uh, albuquerque we spent two years there and it was a really weird transition to go from southern california to anywhere you know <laughs> just from what you're used to but right yeah. when uh I'm not kidding, because I was a kid, and I remember thinking about dirt roads and stuff. Like, do they have, like, cattle drives, and and are they, you know... I didn't know. I mean, I was a kid. And my granny, I'm not kidding. I'll give you 25 cents to rub my feet kind of thing. And she said, I'll I'll give you 50 cents if you can spell Albuquerque. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it was just... But I also remember friends... Uh, you know, it, again, you back in the day before the Internet, cell phones and everything else, if you communicated with somebody, it was by writing a letter. And friends that I had that wrote letters actually would write, you know, to, 
you know, Albuquerque, New Mexico, United States, or something like that. You yes, know, yes. it's like people just don't know. Hey. <laughs> but a beautiful place. Yeah. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And, you know, as we uh, get to put a bow on this week, uh, mm. again, a five-day work week, which <laughs> I know we've made jokes about it, but, <laughs> you know, there is going to come a time, Mark, where it's like, no, just no, this is too much. <laughs> and when, when, when your work life requires mm. you to actually read and talk, <laughs> when that becomes too much, it might be time to go ahead and get in a comfortable position in the box, you know, <laughs> here are the nails boys. Yeah. Either that, or it's time to buy a motor home and travel the country or, or to, or to go buy that place on the lake or out in the woods and just, you'll be that you know. you're in the motor home. Uh-huh. You're the guy with that left hand blinker on <laughs> in the fast moving lane doing uh-huh. 45 and an 80. Yeah, yeah. that's me. There you yeah, go. The bumper in a that, I'll have a bumper sticker that says, I know my left blinkers on. Don't hassle me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old. I don't care. That's right. And chances are, if that was me, I would end up doing something really stupid. Now, mm-hmm. we have a man that is suspected of starting fires in the re- a remote Oregon woods. Everybody's got to have a hobby. I was thinking, well, I was thinking, you know, you go camping and there are certain things you learn right off the bat about taking care of a fire at a campground. Right. Okay. Mm. It's, I mean, this, these are things you actually, A, take serious. Mm-hmm. B, you must do. Because, you know, if you're an outdoors person or you care about, you just don't want to mess it up. Mm. I mean, when Johnny Cash burned a lot of property out of Tehachapi Park in Southern California back in the day and got it fine and all that just for being an idiot. So when I think about people starting fires, that's what I think of. Right. Johnny Cash. Yeah. Yeah. And anyway, but to do something willfully you know, with intent Mm. to do nothing more than to destroy something. This just goes beyond any, you could be mad revenge, whatever you want. I get it. You know, that we have those fleeting moments of I'll show you, but come on, man, this is too much. Yeah. A man suspected of starting two fires in remote Southwest Oregon was arrested after reportedly, excuse me, reportedly being tied to a tree by three people until police arrived. Um, the sheriff's office there. <laughs> oh, wait. Yes. oh my God. Yeah. Wait a minute. They uh, caught the guy. They caught I the guy and tied it. him to a tree. Yes. And there's more wow. you're going to love too. Just wait for it. The sheriff's office thanked those who assisted with controlling the fire and detaining the suspect. Monday, the sheriff's office received a call from the U.S. Forest Service about fires burning in the far northeast portion of Curry County. The area can only be accessed by Bureau of Land Management and Forest Service roads and via the river. A BLM employee who was in the area of the blazes saw a man walking along a gravel road and starting fires. Dispatchers alerted local, state, and federal authorities asking for assistance with the fires and finding the man. Three residents found the 30-year-old suspect, Trennan Smith, walking near the fires and detained him until police arrived. Um... The police say it was reported that the suspect became very combative with the three residents and had to be tied to a tree to subdue him. Smith was arrested (laughs) and taken to a hospital because he was injured while falling down, the police say. (laughs) 
And that's the whole reason this story's in the stack today. That one I line. I love it. <laughs> he was wow. released from medical care and taken to jail where he remained until just the other day. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah, he fell down 13 times. <clears throat> okay, let's try this. Uh, voiceover for the Mark and Mac Show promo. In a world where laughter was king. Uh, no in a world, Jack. What do you mean, no in a world? It's not that kind of promo. Oh? Okay. In a land that... No in a land either. In a time... I don't think so. In a land before time. It's about the Mark and Mac show. They're on the radio. One man. No. When your life is no longer your own. What the... When everything you know is wrong. That's wrong. In an outpost no. on the edge of space. Space? A girl. No. Two girls. No. Now, no. more than ever. Stop it. A renegade cop. <sighs> a robot renegade cop. You're fired. You're fired. No, you're actually fired. I'm fired. Get out of the booth, Jack. No, I like it in here. <laughs>